Hey guys, this podcast is specifically brought to you by Amazon Automotive. They're a store where, you know Amazon, you can get everything you can imagine. On Amazon, you can even get tires. Yep, Amazon lets you shop auto parts, tools, and accessories quickly and easily from your PC or mobile device. Amazon, of course, offers free shipping on millions of items if you're a Prime member. Be sure to add the promo code DRIVER at checkout to receive $5 off on select orders over $25 for a limited time. Restrictions apply and visit Amazon.com slash promo terms for details. Life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility, but driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love, something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul, and this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. We have a ton of ground to cover on this podcast. We got loads of A ridiculous amount of ground to cover, but I have had a moment of inspiration. You have? Last time you were telling stories about your Cayman, and we were trying to figure it out, because I have Lotus Lessons. Yeah. I've given it a title. True. It's Cayman Conclusions, because the Cayman is much more definitive than the Lotus. It's Lotus Lessons and Cayman Conclusions. Because there's a question mark with car washes and low tide? That's the thing. With Lotus, it's going to be a lesson. We're not sure where it's going to go. With the Cayman, you've learned something, but it has a conclusion. You know definitively what it is. Okay. I like it. This is what I'm thinking. I'm digging it. And speaking of of Cayman conclusions, many of you have asked, (laughs) and you and I have been talking about it for a couple of days already. Yeah. Yeah, And that is the new Porsche Passport. Essentially, do you want to rent the entire Porsche lineup? Yes, please. Right here. What Todd's talking about is the new Porsche Passport subscription service that allows you to receive on-demand access to 22 different Porsche vehicles via an app. Netflix for Porsche. Which is very cool. In conjunction with our friends at Clutch Technologies in Atlanta. This is being launched in Atlanta. Both companies are based there. And huge shout out to our friend. He's not just a friend of the show. He's a genuine friend. Mark R. of Clutch. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Mark, thank you for listening. Hey, man, how are you? Uh, yeah, this is pretty incredible because there's two different membership levels mm-hmm. that both cost a lot of money. Yeah, neither of them are. Let's just get in and try that, honey. You no know, Porsches yeah. are cheap, but everybody's been asking about it. It's newsworthy. Mm-hmm. For sure. And For sure. they are first-ish, first-ish out of the gate. I mean, I know other car manufacturers are talking and kind of well, out there offering. I think Cadillac, Cadillac's got Volvo. a program. Volvo's talking about launching one. BMW has some sort of program, but it's not this extensive. There's a lot of talk, but this just seems like a very huge stake in the ground with prices attached. Mm-hmm. And yes, Cadillac, but everybody seems to be doing this. Get you in Porsche product, which I well, think is going to lead to buyership, honestly. And this ties I, into a couple of Instagram questions we've had. Well, I don't know, though. Hang on just a second, because you're in the software world much more so than I am. And, yes, And the very thing much is, so. let's very be honest, so. software has all gone or is all trying to go subscription yeah. because that's the yeah. cash cow. That's the way that you keep cranking out product, you keep cranking out updates, but we have you every month and we can calculate for shareholders on our quarterly report what our income is going to be because we have this many thousand people times this subscription fee. This is where everybody's going. Mm-hmm. I can't even yeah. think right now of how many random subscriptions I have and half of them I realize I didn't use that again this month. I, I, it's starting to already annoy me and it hasn't even gotten ubiquitous, but it's going to be a right. model for cars. I actually, to be honest with you, I'm concerned about the flip side of this. I think in some ways it's going to discourage car ownership. Could be. I think 
I'm I'm mixed. I'm very mixed about this because in the case of Porsche, they want to get you in product. For sure. New product. For sure. This is not a price tag that most people can afford. What's I'll, it's I'll the is the bottom level a thousand? A bottom level is two thousand. Bottom level is two thousand. A thousand bucks up to three thousand for the next level That's, to get into nine oh, elevens. Wow. Yeah. You get the nine eleven Carrera S, Panamera Four S, the mm. Cayenne mm. S E hybrid, and the Macan GTS. So we're not even talking the race cars. We're not even talking no, of the course high-end 911s. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Your big boys are not available, yeah. With subscriptions and software, Wall Street wants to see subscribership rather than seat purchases now. For sure, yeah. Perpetual licenses are you know, canceled pretty much at this point, mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. all about subscription because you can just turn it on for five months with three extra contract employees and then turn it off again yeah, yeah, yeah. and just subscribe yeah, yeah. and get any kind of product. With Porsche, they still want car sales – they're not necessarily – they don't live and die like Ford and GM in terms of rental car fleets. A lot of the sales True. Yeah, yeah. for the big companies are rental cars. Porsche doesn't really do this. Yes, there's some car rentals, but they're at the high end of the market. Yeah. So yeah. same thing here. This is targeted towards, okay, you've got a high income. You want to taste Porsche. I bet you it, in Porsche's case, it might lead to ownership and they might go Maybe. used cars. Because you might find yourself, huh, I'm really intrigued by the used Porsches. Mm-hmm. I can't really afford the new Cayman, but what about an 07? There's an interesting question also. And just have it. The cars in this passport program, you know they're going to be driven like crazy, but cared for well. True. Because this program, this 2000 a month, is covering all of it, by the way. It's covering your detailing. It's covering your delivery. It's covering all maintenance. Mm-hmm. It's covering all insurance. Right. So when you start to break all of that down, I'm not – look, I am the first one to acknowledge that $2,000 a month is a nice mortgage payment. Oh, my gosh. Okay? That's Are a nice me? mortgage payment. That's a nice house. But having said that, if you're talking about, let's be honest, the beginnings of the exotic car world, and if you're getting a car that is – all-inclusive as far as insurance and everything. None of the rest of those costs happen. You start to see this make – I hate to say this sentence. You start to see this make some sense even though it's at a price point that isn't accessible yet. It's not. It's not. In Porsche's but case – But it's intriguing. I'm very intrigued by this. But in Porsche's case – and Mark has mentioned this to me – they are inadvertently creating a huge used car market. Exactly. Because at some Wondered point, about that too. Porsche wants you in the newest models, mm-hmm. not the three to five-year-old ones. So those go on used. Agreed. And what now? Oh, my gosh. I drove that three years ago. Or I drove that last year. And now it's for sale. I could How, buy one. I agreed. How fast done. are those cars going to cycle through the program? And when they're done, obviously, they've been used by lots of people. But they have been, because it's an all-inclusive thing, they've been well-detailed and well-cared for. Mm-hmm. Now you have some very interesting cars on the used market. I agree with that as well. A couple of questions that relate to this are MR99 and King Andrew 6883 both on Instagram. They're asking us what we think. I'm very intrigued. I think it's going this uh-huh. way. In Porsche's case, I think it's going to lead to more car sales. And I'm wondering if that's mm. kind of what they're mm. hoping. I would love to subscribe because I'd love to try all the different products, but that's really expensive. Very. A $2,000 a month car payment. You're into something pretty exotic. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, Can't you turn this on and turn it off, though? It's not like a you signed I'm, on for a year. I think you can jump in, jump out. I think you can. I don't know that you're locked in, in into anything, but don't quote me on that. Um, King Andrew is uh, asking here about the connections about a car that you buy, mm. saving up for it, the memories of driving it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the personalizations that you make to it, maybe sure, upgrades, sure, yeah. things like that. Is that. Does that connect you more to car you know, living in the enthusiast mm, dream mm. and the disease that we share. And, you know, is that more 
relatable in a sense? Mm. Is that more desirable than, hey, we've subscribed to everything. I'm subscribing to toaster ownership and I'm going to get it's the insane, new toaster the number upgrade of them here in yeah. six months. Exactly, yeah. Who cares, you know? Mm -hmm. But in this case, I think it's going to lead more towards eventual ownership and you know i really loved that 911 mm -hmm. i want to own a 911 you know what i also wonder about if you can't and i'm pretty sure you can get in get out what i also wonder about is the possibility of using this service as a special event for a couple of months hey it's summertime mm. and my wife and i you know we're going to do some fun drives and so i'm going to sign up for june and july it's a lot of money but we're going to have really cool cars on tap for those couple of months. We're going to take a lot of fun drives. We're going to enjoy ourselves. And then we're going to turn it off. Mm -hmm. Still a lot of money. Price but, reduced during hurricane season. The convertibles are all on sale. Frightening. I mean, still still a ton of money. That's the thing about this yeah. that I'm just like, wow, you've, you've already narrowed your market significantly. But I do wonder about the kind of special event aspect of it, if that would work. I, I think it's intriguing. I also... I, I, I'm trying to not see a dark side because I do I, – I hate the idea of all car ownership being subscription. And there's a part of me that feels like the car makers in general are going to want to go this way. And it kind of bums me out. They are. But think about this. What about a Honda Civic? Mm -hmm. Why would you subscribe? Because the payment's going to be the same as buying it. What's the point of subscribing to inexpensive well, but cars? It, but it would be Honda subscription. And True. so you've got your Civic that you're commuting in or your hybrid you're commuting in. And then this weekend, you want to have the pilot. Maybe, maybe. But I, I would say at the lower end of the market in a price point standpoint, it doesn't make as much financial sense. And it's not as profitable. I don't oh, think. Oh, I, I agree with you there. It, it, you get much more squeezed on the bottom end of the market. I agree with you. Agree so with you. I, I'm mixed about yeah. you know the Hondas. Yeah, I don't know. Audis, Cadillacs, Porsches. Yes. Yeah. Volvo's trying to do it with fairly inexpensive cars, mm -hmm. but that's more of a, hey, a car is parked near me and I need a car rather than experiencing the joys of driving. I think Porsche is, we want you to experience how fun these cars are. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, select different product rather than I need a car to get to the store. I don't care what it is. Interesting, interesting counterpoint we've actually kind of bumped into here again about the difference between Porsche's approach and Ferrari's approach. Can mm -hmm. you imagine Ferrari doing subscription service? No. You would have to be a special person who's owned 45 Ferraris to get the invitation to actually be in the subscription service. Oh, my gosh. And then it would only be limited to certain numbers of cars. But we'll happily sell you shot glasses and underwears and teddy will. bears and roller coasters, yes. all with Ferrari branding. Absolutely. Here's a cap for your infant. Here's here's Ferrari shoes. They can't <laughs> walk yet, but here's Ferrari shoes. <laughs> Well, guys, this podcast is brought to you by Amazon Automotive. As you heard at the beginning, mm -hmm. Amazon offers free shipping on millions of items for Prime members. They carry top brands like K&N, PowerStop, Chemical Guys, Bosch, and more. The, uh, the Amazon Automotive store keeps in mind, this is, this is Amazon. Think about the massive selection of stuff on Amazon. Now we're applying that to car parts. So accessories, tools, fluids, you name it. You can even get tires. And I'm going to say it again. I love the idea of prime shipping being applied to tires. <laughs> Somebody's losing money on that deal, but it's not me, thankfully, which I really like. So you can, check, there. You, you can check Fitment online for, using, for your car using the, the Amazon Part Finder Tour. Tool. Tool is the word I'm looking for. Yes. There it is. So anyway, buy with confidence. You can even do the Amazon automotive videos. 
Learn yeah. how to work on your car using yeah. those videos, which is really cool. So check out Amazon.com, my garage, my garage for the videos. I am not speaking well this evening, and I'm going to fix that. <laughs> also, we have a promo code. It is the promo code DRIVER at checkout. That is for $5 off on select orders of anything over $25. That is limited to certain products. You can check that at the Amazon.com promo terms for those details. Sliding over to a subject many of you have been asking about <laughs> often, frequently, and we have been mulling ever since our pilgrimage trip. Actually, we started thinking about this earlier in the year and have been for trying sure. to make, date, make dates work. Mm -hmm. It is the announcement of our U.S. track day. Yes, for this year. Now, just so you guys know, I, I'm, I'm going to tease just a couple more minutes. For, so you guys know, we would love to do a couple U.S. track days a year plus the pilgrimage trip. Now, the pilgrimage trip, just so you know, is not going anywhere. That is our crown jewel trip. We want to take that. We can do all-inclusive. I like that. The crown it jewel. Is. It, 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 like it just that. is. That trip's going to be somewhere in the fall pretty much every year indefinitely. We've got a video coming out on that soon. We want to do U.S. trips. You've heard us debate it here on the podcast. Chance and I talked about it at length. Paul and I have talked about it at length. It's very hard to do the all-inclusive thing like we're doing in Europe here in the U.S. So we're doing a little bit more of an a la carte trip, and we are announcing now we're doing one in California this year. Agreed. Yeah, this is going to be pretty cool. We are announcing it for November 17th in conjunction with ncracing.org. These guys have been very, very kind to us and yes. are accommodating that. So if you just type in here, I'm going to do it as we're talking, ncracing.org. You can also just go to our website. Think about that, everydaydriver.com slash adventures page. It's the top adventure now. All of the details are there, including a way to get to the NC Racing uh, actual day and all of the info for the other stuff around it, which is going to be a drive day down PCH the next day. That's right. So we're going to have, uh, we're going to have the race day. We're going to have dinner that night. We're going to have a PCH drive Saturday morning and then a nice lunch. That's going to be the whole event. You can come to as much or as little as you want. It's kind of on you guys as far as how much you'd like to be involved in, but you can plug yourself into the event through our website. But you are still signing up for the track day, like Paul's saying, directly through these guys. That's right. I was wrong. It's not .com. It's .org. ncracing.org. If you go to their website here, it's Northern California Racing Club. Go to the events list and scroll down to Friday, November 17th at Laguna Seca. You will see they have a stoplight system about what is open. And interestingly, this is one of the track days where they offer driving schools. Mm -hmm. So for non-members with the driving school, it's $209, which is rather reasonable. Bring your car. Yes. And by the way, you need to bring a helmet because Laguna Seca and the driving school and the club does not provide helmets. Well, that's the thing. This is the reason we're doing it more, much more a la carte than our pilgrimage all-in-one trip because this trip is bring your own helmet, bring your own car. Mm -hmm. so, and so obviously that'll apply for the next day for the road tour part down PCH. Oh, by the way, for those of you that are screaming at the podcast right now, we know that parts of PCH are closed. We are aware. <laughs> yes, we're but quite between aware. the Carmel-Monterey area and down past Bixby Bridge, there's at least an hour, hour and a half worth of driving possible before you get to any closures. And that part is spectacularly gorgeous. So we're going to be coming, covering that stretch. And again, you can let us know through our website the parts of it you want to be involved in, and we'll be plugging everybody in as best we can. That's right. And then signing directly up with ncracing.org right on the website, paying them, and you'll be good to go. So if you've got questions, more details can be found at everydaydriver.com slash adventures tab. This is going live this Friday, and uh, check it out. We're hoping you're there. This is going to be a new experience for us, too. Mm -hmm, we have mm -hmm. been wanting to drive Laguna Seca for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it multiple times in various video games. 
and this is it. We're and we've been, it. and we haven't been on track yet. Yeah. So this is really exciting. We're very, very thrilled. Agreed. All right. So there was a question posed. <laughs> we have so much to cover. It's <laughs> mind-boggling. We haven't even got to the debates yet. Guys. No, they are coming. But yeah, we haven't gotten there yet. I'll say this question was posted by what is Chris doing on Instagram, mm-hmm. who was which question was posed by our friend Jeff Glucker over at Hooniverse yeah. a few weeks ago. And the question is, if you were in charge of choosing the cars for a high school movie, what would the jock, the attractive cheerleader, the nerdy kid, and other stereotypical high school movie roles drive? Uh-huh. What cars would they drive? So this is a question we've been talking about getting to. We've both put some thought into this. Yeah. Neither one yeah, of us yeah. have heard our responses heard yet. And by the way, I'm going to disclaimer this and say this is not a high school musical. I know zilch about musicals. Well, but, so I'm just keeping it with movie for That's me. fine. But, but here's the thing. And I didn't do musical either. But here's the thing about this. This discussion is bound to be politically incorrect. Oh, I'm but sure that, it will but, be. But that's the thing, though. These movies have always been politically incorrect. They've always <laughs> Which is part been, of the fun. They've always been pursue and plug in stereotype here. Yeah. So oh, I was yeah. trying to think of what are the categories of stereotypes. And I, the ones I came up with were quarterback, because, of course, we've got the jock. But I mean, he's always the quarterback. Isn't of course. He? So quarterback, cheerleader, class president, bully, nerd, class clown, and valedictorian. I have a car for all of the above. <laughs> oh, wow. I did the same thing. My categories started out similar, but then I, I changed things up because okay, I've already great. started writing my script. Perfect. Not really. <laughs> so jumping right in, I'm starting with my athlete slash jock. I'll just do okay. the jock. Yeah, yeah. He is driving a 2009 Dodge Challenger RT. This is right okay. when this car came out okay. because it's a muscle car, pony car. It's got a perception of power, but it really doesn't have any. Mm-hmm. And it was inexpensive enough uh-huh. that he can drive this and kind of have the image. But, you know, deep inside, he's kind of gutless, <laughs> if you know hysterical. what I mean. I, I did the same thinking, but my car was a V6 Camaro with a body kit and a loud exhaust. <laughs> And it's probably nice. blacked out. It's just, it's not powerful. It's not fast. It is ridiculously right. loud and looks very sinister, <laughs> but it's probably getting passed by minivans. <laughs> and modern Toyota Camrys. Yeah. All right. So the cheerleader for me, a newish Honda Civic or a Hyundai Sonata, because really? that's what cheerleaders drive. Just that's okay. what they drive. They're, okay. they're not concerned about cars. It's just transportation. They're concerned about getting to the game. That's it. Okay. I see that. But where I went is, if we're following the stereotype, the head cheerleader always comes from daddy with money. True. And daddy with money wants to make sure his little girl is in something that she really loves. Okay. And it's always ridiculously expensive. So the head cheerleader in my movie is driving a Range Rover Evoque convertible. Oh, perfect. Convertible is the key thing there. Victoria Beckham, I can see that. Awesome. All right, so moving on to the nerd. Okay. <clears throat> Times have changed. Okay, all right. My nerd in my movie drives a BMW M4. Seriously? Because okay. his mother is a senior VP at a tech company, and she passed down her car because she keeps moving up in salary and job title, and she makes a lot of money, and the tech nerds rule the world now, okay. as we all know. Okay. And so she passed her BMW M4 that's, I don't know, eight months old, passed that down to him because, of course, she wants something safe, but, you know, the M4 is kind of old news for her, that's and funny. she's moved on to something that's else. That's funny. I like that. I have the same parent in my description, <laughs> okay. but it leads to a different child. Okay. <laughs> I have the parent that's rich and likes the latest and greatest and all the kind of stuff and is moving up, but their their child is the class president. 
And the class okay. president is driving like a P85 Tesla. Oh. Because also good. dad's moved on, or mom, either one, has moved on to the P100D with the line underneath for ludicrous mode. And what do we do with the old Model S? Well, we give it to the son or daughter who's the class president, and they're driving the Model S that they inherited. Of course. So it's the same parent model going to a different student. My nerd, I went very stereotypical nerd. In did, that, okay. In right. that, mom and dad aren't half as smart as their kid. Fair enough. That's okay? often but the case. But mom, mom and dad are great people. Okay. And their son, their, they love their son more than anything, and they wanted to get him what he wanted, and what he wanted was a sports car, and so they got him an N.A. Miata, which everybody teases <laughs> okay. him mercilessly about because it's a girl's car as far as they're concerned, and he's a nerd, and you drive a Miata, but he's discovered that it's killer. Okay. And he can already wheel. So I if you love had a the story if you had a back road between the nerd and the quarterback, <laughs> the nerds got it all day long. But he has to pull in in probably the faded red in a Miata that looks like nothing, but the kid can wheel. Okay, I like this coming out of nowhere. I, this, the movie writes itself, <laughs> doesn't it? All right, so I've moved on to a few different categories here. I went with the smoker slash stoner, because there's always one. <laughs> about spit water out, didn't you? Thank you. That's good. I didn't do that one. I, that's a missed opportunity. Okay, keep going. <laughs> okay, so um, <clears throat> this guy would look exactly like Judd Nelson playing John Bender from The Breakfast Club in 1985. Perfect. Got it. Many yep, of you, you listening have not even been alive in 1985. Yeah, true. Or been born yet. True. <clears throat> so this guy would drive either an old pickup like a 1968 GMC or the city bus when he's baked out of his tree. So this is uh, this is my guy. Just wanders off the bus at a cloud of smoke. Pretty it's much. all good. Just it's all good. Judd okay. Nelson from the all Breakfast right. Club, and you're done. The closest one I did to that was Class Clown. Okay. Okay. So imagine your own personal Class Jim Carrey, whoever that was. He likes being the entertainment group of the class. Okay. And he's goofy. <laughs> he drives a Kia Soul. <laughs> with the biggest stereo you can imagine. He can rock the block with that stereo. <laughs> I love it. I, I was that guy with the stereo in my 1977 Jeep Cherokee. <laughs> okay, so I also um, <clears throat> I had a super sweet and pretty girl who's also a little bit goofy and rather shallow. The girl that, that you think you want the head cheerleader, and by the end of the movie, this girl takes off her glasses and the, and the angels sing, and you go, why didn't I like her all along? This is really the Correct. plot Correct. Yeah. Although she drives an NC third generation Mazda MX-5 Miata, <laughs> so she okay. can put the top down and let her hair fly in the Perfect. breeze. And yeah. really all she does is she parks her car and strike poses next to her sports car. That's really all she does. Well, but, but, if, but if we follow along with the true 80s writing of, a, of the high school movie, <laughs> here's how this works. She keeps the top up all winter because the movie takes place in some place like Chicago. Right. And and, and she's wearing the glasses and she's dressing kind of big and frumpy sweatshirts because it's cold out, right? Mm -hmm. And then come springtime, the your, top it, goes it would down. be the nerd, right? But come springtime, there's a reason for it to be warm <laughs> enough that the top comes down and the glasses come off and she's wearing a nice dress and now she's the hottest girl in school. Yeah. That's the way that progresses every it. time. I'm telling you, script writes itself. <laughs> All right, who's your next character? Uh, well, I have the valedictorian would be the person in Mom's old Honda Accord. Okay. And they're smarter than everybody. Nobody can touch this person. Of course, of And course. they're driving Mom's old Honda Accord. But look out, because the 10-year high school reunion, they own the town. That's true. Very you know, true. They drive whatever they want. 
So, yeah, but right now it's mom's old Honda Accord. And I have one other one, but what else do you have? Okay, I've got three more characters Oh, good. Excellent. I'll help you out. I've got a rugged and Scott Eastwood type. (laughs) He lives with his dad way outside of town, right? Welcome to the next part of the podcast for the next three hours. I love this, by the way. This is fun. So he drives a 1976 lifted Ford Bronco that he and his dad wrench on together. Perfect. And you remember the girl that I mentioned? Perfect, yeah. yeah She's yeah. in love with him, but of he'd rather chop wood or build a canoe or something like that. <laughs> and chase the head cheerleader until he realizes she's driving at a Vogue and she's shallow. Correct. Yes. Exactly right. So that's, uh, that's the next guy on here. I like it. Then I have the clean cut and eager but slightly boring and non-athletic guy. He's <laughs> in love with the daffy girl. <laughs> Okay. okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. So he drives a sixth generation Volkswagen Golf because you had a lot of safe fun with this and airbags uh-huh. and good insurance and it's newish and not too powerful. All right, so good parental thumbs up on that one. Sure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, so he's in love with the Daffy Girl, and then finally, okay, the exchange student. Oh, I, that's a missed opportunity for me. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. For me. This person, this guy, would drive an AP1 Honda S2000 because he's a fan of World Superbike Racing and Formula One. Well done, sir. That's my script. You you know, for, for a screenwriting newbie, you've done remarkably well with that group. <laughs> I, I have one more to add. I have one more to add, and that is the class bully. Oh, this should be good. The class bully drives a Prius handed down from his parents. <gasps> and he drives a Prius... And that is one of the further things that he hates about his parents and his life is that he drives a Prius. <laughs> but but because he has to be the bully, he then tries to lord this over everybody else and their terrible cars that are wrecking the planet. Not something he actually believes, but it's just another thing he can lord over everybody else to try to justify the fact that he's forced to drive a Prius that he hates. Oh, this is good. Anyway, who knew the mileage we'd get out of that question, <laughs> but that was very fun. Oh, my gosh. Well, guys, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back with a couple of car debates and many questions. This is only getting better. Hey, folks, Amazon lets you shop auto parts, tools, and accessories very quickly and easily from your PC or mobile device. They also offer free shipping on millions of items for Prime members. Amazon carries top brands like you've heard, K&N Filters, PowerStop, Chemical Guys, Bosch, and more – And the Amazon Automotive Store has a massive selection of parts, accessories, tools, fluids, and more. You can even shop for tires on Amazon. So check your fitment online for millions of parts using Amazon's Part Finder tool. Just enter your year, make, and model, and Amazon will tell you if it fits. You can buy with confidence there. You can use customer Q&As, you know, all the reviews of everything on Amazon. They're there for auto parts, too. So that's really cool. You can get the right part the first time. You're not an automotive expert. That's okay. You can check out Amazon's library of automotive video content. You can find that at Amazon.com slash MyGarage. Honestly, didn't even know that existed. And there it is. You can learn to install an air filter. You change your oil. You want to find out how to do stuff. It's right there. In addition to where you're looking on YouTube, you can find it on Amazon. You can go to Amazon.com MyGarage. Again, enter your vehicle information start shopping right now and i'm going to say it again use promo code driver at checkout to receive five dollars off select orders over 25 dollars the limited time restrictions apply visit amazon.com slash promo terms for details technology truths brought to you by geico technology truths truth you will certainly send any text about your supervisor to your supervisor what's with janet's bangs Did she lose a bet with a weed whacker? (laughs) L-O-L. And sent. 
wait, no, 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 no. Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at Geico.com. Janet, I think my phone was hacked or something. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. We're back with both car debates on the back side of the break. We covered so much stuff on the front side that now we've got two car debates. <laughs> that just went off into the weeds, but that was a lot of but fun. But it was very fun. Thank you for passing on that, that question. Uh, so first off, we've got Michael Kenyon in, uh, writing to us from Bend, Oregon, and then we also have Robert writing to us from New Jersey. It's interesting because uh, Michael's debate kind of relates to Robert's question. It, there's and, a through line And I feel here. like Robert, Robert's debate is actually more question than it is which car do I buy. It is. But I like where we're starting here with Michael's situation. Yeah, so he's written to us before. He was shopping for a car for himself. But this is – things have changed. They're trying to reduce their payments. He and his wife, okay, mm-hmm. they've not used their diesel truck as much as they thought. The current vehicles that they have are an 06 Toyota Tundra 5.7 long bed, okay? Mm-hmm. They've got the diesel, as I mentioned, 2016 Ram 2500 Cummins diesel. Big boy. 2000 BMW M5. Yes, awesome. And they have horses, so they mm-hmm. have horse trailer, mm-hmm. hence the diesel. Yes. yes. Past vehicles are uh, really interesting. There's an Integra GSR, multiple WRXs, lots of Subarus, and a 2012 Infiniti EX35. But they both really liked, yeah. Yeah, they did. But these two car purchases, the Ram and the M5, happened before the birth of their first child. Mm-hmm. And the 2500 was intended to be the truck for his wife, for frequently hauling the horses around, mm-hmm. but she's so fallen in love with their child, the horses have taken a back seat. Horses in the back seat. Well, but but here's the other part of the equation, and, and of course, of course, she's madly in love with your child. Of course, she is. I'm thrilled to hear that. I mean, that's that that doesn't Naturally. surprise me in the least. And the horses are going, "Where'd you go?" But anyway, <laughs> but forgotten but, about but, us. But the other part of it, this is our horse voice, apparently. But the other part <laughs> of it, though, is not only has she fallen in love with your child, she's fallen in love with the M5. Yeah. And that's become her daily, and she couldn't be happier about it. So now the question is, what do we do with this monster truck that we own that we don't use much? (laughs) And they may actually be in a situation where they don't really take two horses anywhere anymore. They may only take one, so that means they can downsize their trailer. So the big truck isn't needed. So we've got all kinds of questions coming up. Yeah, the horses have a long face because of this. So they're they're kind of bummed. Dum, dum, they yeah. bought Hakapalita R2s for the M5 mm-hmm. because they're in Bend, Oregon, as Todd mentioned. And uh, Michael's commute includes a 1,000-foot elevation game, so it can be dicey. Yeah. So he is looking for a few preferences here because he let's be honest he needs a car because the m5 staying home with his wife <laughs> right congrats to your wife by the way on many fronts on the child on the m5 she's doing well she's Horses, doing well the horse yes. trailer all that okay so he's looking for rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive strong preference for all-wheel drive mm-hmm. looking for german cars because they've got a great relationship with their local mechanic at german master tech apparently mm-hmm. manual is preferred automatics acceptable yeah as usual yeah. And they can stretch the budget up to twenty five grand, but they'd rather stay a right around twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And again, as I mentioned up front, they're trying to reduce the monthly payments on things. They're thinking about five doors because we didn't mention the two forty pound boardy collies, a car yep. seat, all the stuff. Yeah. And they just want something spacious. So the image here is you have the child seat in the dead center of the back bench and a border collie on either side. Ooh, that's with their cool. heads out the window. This is really kind of how this unfolds. Until Border Collies, I had one growing up, they, they redefine dogs with energy. 
So they'll sit there, I'm sure, with their heads out the window for roughly 30 seconds, and then they will just decide to do laps of the car in opposite directions, and then they'll settle again. <laughs> so brace yourself for border <laughs> collies in the backseat with the child. It's going to be that. fun. You had a border collie. Yes. That's cool. Which constantly – this is when we lived in England, and one of two okay. things happened. It either was trying to dig – the Vietnamese-style underground tunnel system in the ah, backyard, right. or it would get out of the fence, and my mom, the American woman in town, would get a call from the local Bobby, who would say, Ma'am, your dog's in the center of the, main, the high street again. It would just find its way to the main street and just lie down. <laughs> okay. Just, because that was miles okay. away. So it would run to the main street where there were a lot of people and stuff, and they'd lay down like, hey, I'm here. It's cool. This was our dog. Yes. Okay, right on. All right, so Michael's leaning heavily towards three cars, BMW X1, mm-hmm. either engine trim, but definitely with the M Sport package, and they would wait for the Valencia Orange. Well, this like. is the older one, too, the one that actually still had hydraulic steering. That's right. a key thing about the, the, the X1 that we're chasing here. That is an interesting variant of that X1 that kind of hides its enthusiast leanings in the market because it just gets overlooked. Right. All right, so second choice is a high mileage Cayenne, mm-hmm. Porsche Cayenne. Yeah. And then third is back to BMW here for a 2010 or 11 328i wagon. And the biggest thing that he says here at the end of the email is they are <laughs> saying no to Audi and Volkswagen. Yes. Because every chance he's had to drive one, he's come away from it feeling like they're antithetical to enthusiasts Ouch. worldwide. Ouch. Kind of a slap down there. They're vague and mushy and kind of a simulated driving experience. And that's fine. Different than your experiences, different than what you're looking for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so where did you go on, on these choices here? Well, first think? off, I want to applaud the X1 because, look, I'll be honest, it's a car that we overlook a lot. I, I just don't think of it a lot. But you're absolutely right about your breakdown of the older version of the X1 has that hydraulic steering and surprisingly decent dynamics. <laughs> that sounds like a weird half praise. But but honestly, <laughs> in this world of these five-seat SUVs, decent. exactly, in the world of these five-seat SUVs that we, we know sell like crazy, but yet they're not really the enthusiast cars who want everybody in, it is a surprising gem as far as dynamics are concerned. So I think that's a great one. I applaud you on that. That's cool. I think the the BMW wagon is cool, but I don't think it's interesting enough. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's just kind of a safe, okay choice. Okay. Fair I enough. really have to say I have to beat the drum for the car I own. The first gen Cayenne, the 08 to 2010, if you have twenty to twenty five thousand dollars, you will have options. Oh yeah. Honestly. And oh, here's yeah. the other thing to think about. You can get that in a manual if you want it in a manual. The base like we have, the V6 comes in a manual, but so does the GTS. True. If you're willing to wait True. to look for a car, and it sounds like you would be to get a certain color to get the Valencia orange on the X1, then start looking nationwide for a GTS with the manual. You could get an awfully cool Cayenne. And the one that my wife and I own now is worth like 18 to 20. It's got almost 100,000 miles on it, and it's running great. It's Make sure hear. the it's one you chase has had the, the maintenance done properly. And the big ones are the big 40,000 uh, variables there, the 40, 80, 120, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's had that done. I would try to buy one for under, under 100,000 uh, miles, but I will say this to you. If you buy one between 70 and 90, it probably hasn't had its 80,000-mile service done. Sure, It yeah. probably just was avoided, and that's why they're selling it. But based on our experience, I say – there, there's nothing. There's no reason to not really look seriously at the Cayenne. I, but do go 08 to 2010. Don't go before that. Mm-hmm. 
You should write copy for real estate agents. Surprisingly decent. Surprisingly Cozy decent. Cozy fixer-upper. No, you should just bulldoze this house immediately. <laughs> yeah, buy buy, build something buy the property and blow it up. <laughs> but I do have two kind of, I mean, they may seem obvious after I say them, but I have two kind of wild cards that leave the SUV realm. But before I come back to those, I'd be curious to hear what you're thinking. I'm all about the Cayenne. As a matter of fact, I okay. went shopping for you, Did Michael. You? Okay. <clears throat> 2009 Porsche Cayenne for 19.5 with 55,000 miles. Ooh, an 09. Ooh, 09. that's good. And then I found you a 2010. That, that's the base? That's the base, okay. which okay. is great. Good. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. 2010 Cayenne, also for 19.8 in blue with 68,000 miles. That's excellent on both counts. Low miles. Yeah. As yeah, Todd yeah. said, keep the maintenance done, and you'll click over 100,000 and keep trucking. Mm-hmm. For sure. I love For that sure. idea. And I had one extra wild card before you name your last two here. Why isn't the Mercedes E350 4Matic wagon on your list? Ooh, yeah. I like this car for everything you're describing. Mm-hmm. I found you a 2011, again, E350 4Matic wagon, 72,000 miles for $20,500, which means they'll take twenty grand on the nose. Yeah, 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 they will. Nice looking yeah, car. Very Those cool. things very are cool. practically bomb-proof. Yeah, I but, like the Mercedes wagon. And there's a relationship with your local German uh, German master yeah, tech. So, agreed. Yeah, that, that gets, takes a lot of concern out of it. That That's cool. I like that wild card. I think a wild card is better than what I have because I left the German market. Oh, you did? I just thought these are two that should be considered. Welcome to Alfa Romeo? Uh, no, I did not go there. <laughs> uh, but you're talking about you've got elevation gain. You've got you want a hatch usability. But it's obviously not your family's only car. And I just thought, wait a minute. I want to put two out here. One is that car that I feel like I'm the only one that remembers it. And it is the Rally Art Sportback, the hatch version oh, of the Evo. Right. So it's a step down from the, from the full Evo. It's the Rally Art. So it's the WRX equivalent in that, in that era. You don't okay. see very many, but you can get them for probably half your budget. That's true. So you could just get it. Really spend less. You get it and run it and not make it precious and dogs and kids and who cares? Mm -hmm. It's like 240 or 250 horsepower. So it is the WRX equivalent. It looks a little bit different because and very unique because it is a hatch version on that Lancer body. Mm -hmm. It's got some, you know, fenders and stuff, but it's not nearly as crazy as the Evo. You're going to have to look a little bit to find one. And it's total wild card world here. They're kind of rare, I feel like. I don't see them. But they're not expensive. And they're cool cars. You can get them with the with Mitsubishi's surprisingly good dual clutch transmission. Telling you a real estate copy. Seriously, though, that's what ads are. Yeah, you're, you're right. trying to read into but, it. So that's a total wild card. But I'm putting it out there. And then I also have to say this: it may seem like an obvious standby. You're in Oregon; it'll fit right in. Go last gen WRX STI hatch. Mm, sure. You may Definitely also that. you, you, that'll be at least in your budget, and maybe again money left over. It won't be as cheap as the Rally Art, but. Get that uh, WRX STI hatch and thunder around everywhere you need to go. And don't think <laughs> twice. Don't think twice. Do Oregonians thunder around? Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully our friend here will be. I hope so, too. Well, both of those passed the Milk and Cheerios hose-out test, so they, you're good they there. That's the thing I'm saying. You've got to think about that. Keep the M5 nice and the dog and the kid bang around in the STI, and who cares? <laughs> I love it. Well, guys, don't forget, this podcast is brought to you specifically by Amazon Automotive. You can check your fitment online for millions of parts using Amazon's pat- part finder tool. All you have to do is enter your year, make, and model of your car, and Amazon will tell you if it fits. So buy with confidence. You can use their customer Q&A as well as a bunch of product reviews to do your research and ensure you buy the right part the first time. And I'm going to jump off of that, and I'm going to go completely off the copy, which is a scary thing to be in. But I'm going to say this. Here's the other thing great about Amazon when it relates to car parts or it relates to anything. 
tires got, shipped by Prime. Exactly. There's that. But here's the thing. If any for any reason something is wrong, Amazon pays shipping to get it back. That's true. Which is the greatest thing ever. Try that with any other auto part on the planet. Best of luck to you there. So that's the <laughs> thing about it. Is because of being a, a Prime member, you've got free shipping on millions of items. This in, this does include tires. I, I'm going to keep beating on this because I'm excited about the fact you can get tires for free shipping. You also can check out Amazon's library of automotive video content on Amazon.com slash MyGarage. You can learn whatever. Air filter, something that simple, fine. Oil changes, you can look right there on Amazon, which is cool. Go to Amazon.com, MyGarage, enter your vehicle information to start shopping. And the promo code for this podcast is DRIVER at checkout to receive $5 off select orders for $25 or more. We've got Robert R. in New Jersey writing with two questions here, and they're less of a debate, but you'll see it's kind of a should I hang on to the car mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. rather than trading it in? And then car dynamics. So how many miles are too many is kind of what he's asking overall. But then from a car dynamic standpoint, you know, we've recommended all kinds of driving enthusiast cars. And being the fact that he drives a 2012 Audi S4, he's not understanding what are the physical properties of these cars that we recommend that make them dynamically better than cars like his S4. Well, that's the key thing about this discussion is that he has an S4 he loves. He loves it. So his question is, I love it. It's great to drive normally. I, he had an S4 before that that he tracked, or was it an A4? Uh, let me make sure. I'm I think it was an right. A4. He had an A4 before that that he tuned a lot and tracked and hunted down Porsches on the track, loved it. But that's been his experience. Mm-hmm. He hasn't owned rear-wheel drive. And here we are talking up the rear-wheel drive cars all the time. And so he's starting to ask the question of, what am I not understanding? Explain to me the dynamics of this Audi versus some of the rear-wheel drive stuff we recommend. He's asking us to kind of walk him through that. So we're going to get to that as well. But the the Audi question here, he used to have, again, this tuned A4, mm-hmm. really tuned A4. Now he has a newer S4 that he's leaving stock because he does quite a bit of commuting, actually. Drives from uh, New Jersey to Boston for work every week. So there's a lot of driving when that happens. So he doesn't want to tune it because he wants to keep it reliable. And it has, at this point, 130,000 miles and has been incredibly reliable. 140, I think. It's is way it, up there. It's it's up there. The Robert, point is, is it strange that we're talking about the car that you're currently listening to the podcast coming through? Yes. I'm sure it's strange. Should I say hello, car? No, it's not going to know. But <laughs> anyway, but, but his question is, is there a place at which it's ridiculous to start keeping a car? He's asking mileage-wise. Mm-hmm. He's saying, should I run this to 200,000, 300,000? He doesn't have a problem. His secondary question underlying here is that he and his son may get a track car. So the the S4 is this great commuter. He's still, still in his first clutch, which I don't which I find inexplicable. Which is incredible. You must be the lightest beating of a clutch ever. Well, it's all the commuter miles. Yeah, absolutely. Around Boston. Yep. Yep, yep. So his question first off is high miles. And I'm going to say this to you. <laughs> I have a kind with 100,000. I sold a Yukon back at Cash for Clunkers with 240,000 miles on it. Okay. Wow. The, the, I feel like you're the king of high miles. Not, not really, but, but I can certainly represent. Yeah. The, the Mini has 180, almost 181,000. <laughs> and if you heard our last podcast, the owner on our last shoot actually asked the question, is that the actual mileage? Which made me laugh after the fact. <laughs> after telling that story, I laughed again. Because has there ever been a situation in history where somebody has taken an odometer, hacked an odometer to wind it up? Hmm. Up? I... Right. I just wanted to impress you with yeah. mini reliability. Yeah. This car actually has 10,000 miles, but I cranked it up to 180 because I want you to be like, this car's in great shape. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that's never happened. But here's the thing. I would say the judgment call here is your wallet. 
because okay. at some point, a car as it gets older, let's take our friend Matt Farah's million mile Lexus. He's desperately trying to get this car to a million miles. He bought it for next to nothing. Right. And he's put two or three times what he paid for it into just trying to keep it running. And he this is a it, Lexus, He too. bought it at 900,000 miles, and I think he's maybe at 950,000, and it's burning a hole in his wallet. Wow. Okay. I mean, this is pinnacle of engineering and the... You know, now, we're talking Lexus. We're talking chasing a million miles. I get it. I get it. It's, a, it's an extreme example. But my point here is there's a place at which any car with high miles, if you break it down, what you spent in a calendar year, and do keep track, what you spent in a calendar year would be the equivalent of a really nice monthly payment every month on something that just runs. Yeah. You have to figure out where your personal tolerance for pain is in that equation. <laughs> If the S4 is not costing you money, it's just costing you maintenance, keep running it. When it starts nickel and diming you, that's when you think you get rid of it. And I can't begin to tell you, with your 140,000-mile runs-great first-clutch Audi, when's it going to be that place? It might be 200, it might be 250 if it's running that well. It could be. He said it's not missed a single service appointment. It's only needed brakes once, regular fluid changes. He said you can eat off the engine. It's, it's his so commute clean. car. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, so, this sounds gorgeous. At some point, at some point, that equation will change, and that's when the discussion happens. If it's just put a little maintenance into every car needs maintenance, that's that's a wash on cost. So if it's just maintenance, sure. if it's just maintenance, tires uh, need stuff like that, that normal stuff, then just keep driving it. You own it, whatever, until it starts nickel and diming you, and then go. What's the point at which this cost would be a nice payment on something else? Sure. He loves the car, though, and and one of the reasons Robert is considering keeping it instead of trading it up to the dealer where he trades it and is pressuring him to trade it in, he's saying, well, I just love the car. I love these dynamics so much. I'd rather – it doesn't sound like it's costing him too much at this point. It doesn't. No, not at all. But I'm just wondering down the road, you know, honestly, Robert, it's it's the maintenance. Mm -hmm. It's not the mileage. Yeah. You know, yeah, you yeah. can keep it running and love a car. I mean – Honestly, with speaking with broad generalities here, there's not really too many reasons to trade your car in. It's you like the in next spite style. of us talking about the disease. Exactly, yeah, you're you right. You're absolutely right. Want the next one mm -hmm. you're because of right. power grade upgrades or tech upgrades or new style or whatever that is. But you could just keep throwing money at your old car and keep it absolutely. running. Absolutely, that is an option. Mm -hmm. Now you've got to really like the car, and that's what he's asking here is about the dynamics of cars and why dynamics appeal and why we recommend certain cars more often than others. Mm -hmm. This is a long, I mean, this, this could be an endless discussion, but I'm yeah, going to try to Yeah, this could be the next a, three hours. We've got to try to be succinct, here. which is hard for us. I'm going to try to be very, very succinct here about a few talking points. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to start with the easy aspects. Things like weight, power, brakes, and tires, mm -hmm. as far as dynamics. Okay, sure. That's the easy sure. stuff. Mm -hmm. But then I was talking with Chance the other day, as a matter of fact, when we were driving around on our recent shoot, mm -hmm. and he yeah. said... I'm doing the, the uh, fuel sending unit on my Mustang. Mm -hmm. And it seems so strange because the electric wires that go to the fuel gauge run across the trunk, uh, out the other side, and then to the fuel sending unit. Why didn't they just take a shortcut and just make it a short wire? I don't understand this. Mm. And while, you know, a logical answer, you might think, well, why wouldn't they do that? I kind of suggested without knowing the production processes, it depends on how the car was made and what the assembly was like and what the factory setup was like. Sure, Maybe that was sure, an sure. inaccessible way. Wherever that part in the factory was assembled, they couldn't access the car from that side of the mm. of the body for whatever reason. And in 
you know, 67, I think, or 68, he's got yeah. his car. They didn't have the ability to turn it upside down on the rotating gimbal. And so they just, this was the so solve. Just, well, an easy solve was just run more wire and I can attach it over here. Now, mm. I'm, it's a guess. It's you're, purely you're a guess. You're but I see where you're going, yeah. But it's things like that. So I'm, I'm now getting into choice of materials. You know, I've always thought, we're all working with the same materials. Why does a Lotus feel like a Lotus? Mm -hmm. And why does a Lexus feel like a Lexus? Yeah. It's still aluminum and steel and rubber and glass and fabric. <laughs> You're and right. You're right. How on earth is yeah. this possible? Yeah. But then we get into engineering. So there's lots of great engineers at all the tier automotive suppliers sure. yeah, who can yeah. enge part, engineer a part a particular way. Others might be over-engineered. Some parts might be you know, mm -hmm. just a cheaper part or they have to use cheaper materials. And so it's over-engineered or it's not engineered well enough and it'll break. You know, how thick are the door supports here? Are they cast? Are they welded on? Are mm -hmm. they stamped mm -hmm. metal stacked up in, into a into a hinge shape? I mean, gears and motors, are they plastic gears that are going to wear out in <laughs> two turns? Are they metal? By the way, this is the succinct version, y'all. I haven't gotten to my part yet. And this is the succinct version. I, I'm, I'm applauding you because oh, you're absolutely oh, right. No, no, you're totally right. Keep going. All right. So weight distribution and mass. I talked about weight, but... You know, the Audi S4, I believe on your generation, the engine overhangs the nose just slightly. But that's been Audi's problem forever. They've been, they've been doing the reverse 911 problem. <laughs> 911s have the engine behind the rear axle. They're trying to yes. bring it over. And, and the Audis have it in front of the front axle. They're trying to bring it back. Yes, very true. And then power distribution, say a WRX, that distributes its power very differently than a Golf R. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's just based on the system. Then a Nissan GTR, all these different sure, systems. Sure, okay? sure, yeah. And then I'm coming to design brief and perception in the marketplace. So these cars wow. that they're designing yeah. have to match a market point for price, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not just a price point, but a market perception of... I'm getting a luxury car with that Audi. It should feel that way. It should insulate me from a few things, but have this underlying sporting characteristic. I mean, we joke about all the time about 911 GT3 RSs. You get less for more money. Mm -hmm. I, I, less weight and it costs <laughs> it's the more. Way. Yeah. Why does the Mustang GT350R delete air conditioning and rear seats and it costs more money? Yeah. I'm getting less and I have to pay more? <laughs> that seems weird. I'm no yeah. mathematician and we're not financial planners, but <laughs> that doesn't sound right true, to true. me. Yes. But then, of course, you know the answers. You know, it depends on production processes and materials mm -hmm. and what the car is designed to do. So I'm fascinated by your question. We could go on. We could. I, I want to jump in here real quick, Robert, because Paul's thinking about it much more in the how was the car built. I want to pursue it just from the raw driver reality for a minute because what the impression you've given me here is that you have tracked your Audis and you've tracked them a lot, but I don't get the impression you've tracked anything else. Hmm, and I think point. that is the key question here because your question specifically was you said, we tend to recommend other cars than Audis when people are talking about fun driving or driving on tracks. That relates right back to where we started on the car debates tonight with our friend Michael who's saying he doesn't feel like Audis and Volkswagen products are right. necessarily enthusiastic enough. Here. Absolutely, absolutely true. So here's the question. Let me come back to your question specifically, Robert. Why are we recommending BMW M Series cars, Porsches and Lotuses over Audis for driving dynamics. The first thing I'm going to recommend to you, you say you and your son are considering buying a spec Miata. I couldn't encourage you more. Yeah, agreed. Go buy. It doesn't even need to be spec Miata already set up. Just go find yourself an old Just NA for no Miata. money. Just a Miata. Because here's the, the key thing. You need to drive in a high-speed canyon or track situation in a, in a rear-wheel drive car with good steering. Mm -hmm. that's going to change your perception immensely. 
I am not saying you can't track, track an Audi fast. You've tracked Audis fast. You've proven it right here. But you said on here you had a buddy who has a new S4 that corded his front tires day one. Of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> because all the weights over those front right. tires, it's a all-wheel drive system with a tendency to understeer it. Understeers because the engine's way up front. Mm-hmm. This is the reason that 911s spin. You get hard on the brakes in a corner, and that big lump of metal wants to be out front. So in yeah. the Audi, that means understeer. In the Porsche, that means spin. Okay? <laughs> the lump of metal is trying to lead the charge when you get hard on the brakes. It just wants to see what's going on. It's going to come around and see. The single so, heaviest piece in a car. Absolutely. So that's the thing. Is Of course, he corded his, his front tires in day one. The amazing thing about rear-wheel drive in a track or at the edge of adhesion and I can think of, look, I'm going to go nuts for a second. On the pilgrimage trip every year, we do spa. Yeah. It has yeah, Puhan, cool. which is double left, double gauche. Yep. You come in, if you do it right, it's one steering angle left, and you go through two apexes on a corner that looks like a box. You go through two apexes and out. You go Actually, through th- three. Well, you go outside. Two, well. two left apexes, and then you've got the outside curbing right, as well. Right, right, right. So you touch the curbing three t- times over the course of it. If you put your steering in once in that corner, and we drive the M235i normally on the trip for that, Mm -hmm. rear-wheel drive, fairly well-balanced. Not the greatest, but fairly well-balanced. If you put your steering angle in once, you can control your arc entirely with your right foot. Yeah, lock your arms. Actually, try it. You can leave your steering angle once, and you can control the balance of the car because all the front wheels are doing is steering. They've picked an angle, and because of that rear-wheel drive, you can balance the car. And it feels, when you get right at the edge of it, it feels like you were literally balancing on the head of a pin. There's so much rotation in the dead center of the car, Mm -hmm. and it's connected to your right foot. That's an experience I want you to have, Robert. This is what rear-wheel drive, great steering, is about. Because once you release, and this is true of the M cars, it's true of the Porsche, it's true of the Lotus. Once you quit tasking the front wheels with doing any of the propulsion, the sensation at the limit is totally different. Oh, yeah. And that's why we recommend it. Now, in the Porsches and the Lotus, you're getting into a totally different balance situation. I could chase for another hour that comes, talks about mid-engine and how that feels. The Cayman is very docile for mid-engine. The Lotus is a bit scary if you don't do it right. The Alpha 4C. It's great until it's scary. Ex- exactly. But but the Lotus tells you tons of info through the steering. It does. Oh, the yes. Alpha 4C will just randomly just freak out on you like, I don't know, an animal that got spooked. Take a bite out of you. Yeah, so anyway, but so we could talk about all of those things. So this is the thing I want you to experience. Please get a Miata. Please track a Miata, and you will have a very different experience in car balance because of front wheels are just steering, back wheels are just moving. It's revolutionary, and I really encourage you. I am astounded at the quality of questions on social media that you guys keep asking. (laughs) Really good ones, yeah. Thank you, guys. The creativity is endless. I keep saying this, but you guys keep raising the bar. Thank you. If you've got your own car debate, write to us at everydaydrivertv at gmail.com or on the website, everydaydriver.com. Okay. Also, when you're on the website, check the Adventures tab. We're going That's to Laguna right. Seca and PCH. It's happening in November, people. I'm bringing it up again. I have to bring it up again because we haven't brought it up enough to this point because now it's happening. Yikes. Oh, man. All right. So uh, down the rabbit hole we go into Instagram with one of the funnier questions I've read from our friend George. I was hoping. By the, uh, I was really, really hoping you were going to. If you weren't, I was going to call it out for you. It's just addressed to you. I'm going to sit here quietly and enjoy. So George goes by the handle Mystic Negro on Instagram. Are you ready? <clears throat> here we go. 
Paul, <laughs> you have met a woman. She is smart, funny, caring, and charming. She has a small collection of World War II era watches and designs <laughs> furniture for a living now after putting herself through school as a runway model. <clears throat> <laughs> She is the kind of woman who your friends look at and wonder if you'd manage to literally sacrifice your soul to catch. Every time she gets into your car, she pulls a slightly melted Andy's mint from her purse and eats it. <laughs> by the way, by the way, George, you have listened and you know Paul well. I love this. I'm being skewered here. So far, nothing has happened, but it's only a matter of time. Every time you've asked her not to, she laughs and says you're being silly. The woman or the car, Paul? <laughs> wow, I feel like a foregone conclusion here. But you know what? Um, do you know her? Because if you do, uh, could I have her number? Send her on over. I, am, uh, I would love to meet her. I'm going with the woman, hands down, across the board. Wow. Not an issue. Good for you. Not even a stutter step, step of hesitation. I feel like that's growth, though. And George, Thank you. fantastic Thank question, you. by the way, because yeah. you've just, you've cranked that question down at every turn. It just gets, it, there's She's very little air left. model. After designing, designs furniture, she owns watches and. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Send yeah, this her right is, over. This Anybody is know her? The best of all worlds. <clears throat> I, I love these slightly melted Andy's mint, by the way. <laughs> what she needs to do is, is eat something completely ridiculous and crummy in the car. There's the real challenge. Hot and spicy Cheetos? <laughs> yes, per perfect. Ah! Perfect. And there's no napkins to be found. It's all bad. I'll tell her to wipe it on my socks. <laughs> wipe her fingers on my socks. Wow. I'm going for her because you know what? Again, dirt can be cleaned. Get a closed steam cleaner and that'll come right out. <laughs> Damage is a different deal. You can't, you know, take a gouge out of the plastic parts or, you know, that's... But she might. Well, she yeah. wears nice heels. She might take a gouge out of the plastic door sill. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm still going with her. Just I'd, saying. I'd be biting my lip and you would I'm going be. with her. Because, you would be. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm floored, George, and this is amazing. Thank you for the question, but yeah. I mean, this has been, honestly, look. What's her name? Yeah, seriously. This has been the, the reality with my son. Because as you know, I don't keep my car certified Paul-owned. They're nice. We try to keep them nice and uncluttered, but they're not that clean. Yeah. But then when you have a child, they just sometimes, I, I swear to you, they are, they are a walking, active person that sometimes operates completely independent of an attached brain. <laughs> I don't know how it happens. I, I don't know how it happens. But my son is Your actually, brain's going the other direction. He, he's son. really thoughtful in general on cars, and every now and then it's just like, why did you just kick that? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, we were sitting here. Now you just randomly kicked that. Oh, you just spilled because you had a, a seizure? What happened? So I've, <laughs> that has challenged me because I'm not nearly as precious with my cars as you. And I, still I found myself just kind of like, okay, okay, I need to simmer back and I need to just go, all right, we'll just clean that up. Life happens, right? It does. And as much as we love our cars, they are things. Yeah, they And are. we can fix them. They are. There's a question on here for you that I'll get to, but I'm curious what struck you. Uh, well, there's so many really great questions here. Uh, actually, Aaron asked on Facebook, difference between driving school and racing school. Oh, good Would one. you recommend one before the other? Now, as I'm understanding this question, Aaron, and as I personally understand those terms, I would say this. A driving school is a high-performance driving school, stuff you could have never learned when you learned to drive, stuff mm -hmm. that should be covered right. and isn't. 
Right. And that is your kind of, let's begin with the basics, and it'll be like skid car stuff. Look at our uh, Fiesta ST piece or our Mustang GT yeah, piece. Good Both one. of those pieces are set up for people that have never been on a track before. They're showing up for a high-performance driving day. And you begin with basic driving maneuvers that are more advanced than you've done in any dri- any of your, like, I learned to drive. You don't have the reason to do any of this. <laughs> My first Sony. Exactly. So the skid car stuff, that kind of thing. That teaches you much more about how capable the average car is and starts to let you explore safely the limits of cars in a way that if you've never explored the limits – it's only going to happen in disaster. It's like, oh, my gosh, I'm hydroplaning. Oh, my gosh, there's ice on the road. That's not the time you want to learn how those things happen and where to look and all those right, kind of things. Right. That's the great thing about a driving school. That's different than racing school. Mm-hmm. Racing school is now you're going to try to go as fast as possible with other cars on track. That is an awareness game now. And you're watching about regulations, about not only do I need to find a racing line, I need to not hit that guy, I need to make sure the guy behind me doesn't hit me, oh, and by the way, they're waving a flag because somebody lost a bumper in the next corner. All of that information happens at the same moment on an actual high-speed track day. You have to learn all that. Right. Please don't get me wrong. We're not great at it, but all of that stuff takes time to learn. That is a racing school versus a driving school. If you go through enough racing school, you wind up with a racing license, and off you go. Right. For whatever series that you're yes, in, you're yes. learning the rules for that series, pit lane speeds, and you know all that kind of stuff that go along with all the driving school techniques that Todd mentioned earlier. All those are inherent. Mm-hmm. It's assumed that you know and are good at all those things by the time you graduate to racing school. At least are aware and have taken those classes. Driving school is definitely step one, and I couldn't recommend it to you more, Aaron. And I will put my son, when he decides to drive, and he's young enough, he may decide to not drive. But when he decides to drive, I will put him in a driving school immediately, right around the time he gets his license, because that stuff is vital. The racing school, who knows? I am not so secretly hoping that your son gets the Mini as his first car. Wouldn't that be cool with the meatballs and everything with on it? 280,000 miles. Totally. Ten years from now, he's driving the Mini. Yeah. I've got a million-mile Mini. It just rolls go. off the tongue. There it does. It does. There's a question from Jose Pablo on Facebook for you. Who is getting a Turbo Cayenne first? Paul or Mrs. Todd? I'm going to start calling her that. <laughs> She's going to laugh Todd. and then be really angry with me. Mrs. Todd. Uh, that's funny. Uh, actually, I have told my wife no Turbo. Really? I have Maintenance. T- yeah, that, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, I would the next Cayenne, honey, get, no turbo, <laughs> which is a which is a funny sentence, a ridiculous sentence. Is that like pillow talk or no, no? But uh, easy, easy family <laughs> podcast. But but here's the thing. Look, we bought our current Cayenne for about twenty five grand. That will roughly be our budget of the next Cayenne. I would like to get the model that's just now becoming old, just about to be replaced. So twenty eleven and up. I'd like to get like a twenty twelve or so, and I'd like to get an S. Yeah. Maybe a GTS, but probably an S. I want to jump up from the base. I might stretch to as much as thirty. This is another year or two down the line, by the way. But we're talking maybe thirty grand for the high end of the budget. Okay. I'd love to get the S to get more power. But and and we had the GTS. We took our pilgrimage trip. We honed oh, oh. GTS. Much love. Four guys. All of our shoot gear, 277 kilometers was our top speed on the Autobahn, and yeah, we baby. were a red missile. <laughs> That's like 165 miles an hour. It's we're like a red yeah, brick. 170 or something like that. It's fast. Hurtling towards Belgium. It is. That is great. inexplicably fast in a car like that. So <laughs> that was the GTS. Uh, but the thing about Porsches in general, especially buying used Porsches, and I've, and I've seen this with Cayenne maintenance, 
the higher up the food chain you get, there's just more stuff that can go wrong. Mm-hmm. So turbos and turbo S's are out, but S or GTS will get one at some point. I mean, you might beat me because all I've got are, are tow vehicles and trailers on the brain. <laughs> no. And if it's a tow vehicle, I know. yes, Cayennes can, but for you know bigger trailers. And if I get a trailer that's big enough for both our cars. Uh, this is the weird rabbit trail you're following. I'm going higher, and then I'm going to want all the features and the generator on board the trailer and the stuff. And, the and now you're buying an actual the... like tow vehicle, and we're talking trucks. Yeah. Yeah. But I then hear maybe it's like a pickup truck. And then a Macan for just the driving around plus a race. You're a little bit insane. No, I you're, can't do you're any You're a little that. bit insane. Yeah. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Yikes. All right. Well, um, <clears throat> speaking of uh, multiple vehicles, Andrew P. is writing to us on Facebook. He's looking to finally live the dream of owning multiple vehicles. There needs to be a term for this. We have both discussed how great a feeling it is to have a choice on what you drive and having a dedicated fun car. But there must be a way to succinctly describe this feeling. Can I give you what I think? Bring it. You describe somebody with a large garage as a multi-wheeled enthusiast. (laughs) That's like meals ready to eat, an MWE. They are a multi-wheeled enthusiast. That's what I'm going with. I I think that works. I don't have competition for that. I think that works. I might on future podcasts, but I don't. Not at the moment. Uh, I have a question here that relates to a podcast we've done prior. Uh, Yuri wrote in on Instagram and said, what cars would each of us buy in various market segments? Small hatch, small coupe, medium hatch, etc." cetera. Uh, Yuri, we could chase that rabbit trail a little further if there was a specific market you wanted to, to, to speak to. But since you've called out a lot of them, I want to say this. If you go back a few podcasts, 233, we've numbered them all now. Yeah. So that helps. Podcast 233, only a couple weeks ago, we did Cars You Must Drive. That is broken down by market segments. It's broken down by manufacturers. It's not all-inclusive, but it talks about a lot. So we cover most of what you're talking about in that area. So I would actually say you could reference that and, and answer that question. I will now jump to Evercrush on Twitter who says, Is heel towing that much better than quickly blipping for the downshift and going back to the brakes? And is it necessary for daily driving? And I didn't see – I didn't have the name in front of me here, but somebody then <laughs> asked a follow-up It was – is this another language? What are you speaking? That was their answer to <laughs> I that. that but I, I wanted to speak to heel towing real quick. First off, Evercrush, um, what you're describing as coming off the brake, blipping the throttle, going back to the brake, is like the step before heel toe. Yeah, yeah. You, I've done it plenty. Absolutely. You're talking about the same idea. And it, there's no reason that heel towing is necessary for daily driving. I practice it in daily driving because that's the kind of driving I do a lot. So I may as well practice the skill. The difference here, I don't know that I can describe this properly, but I'm going to try. The difference here for heel towing is this. Heel towing allows you to get hard on the brakes really late in a way that, let's be honest, you only do on track. Right. And I'm not right. great at that to begin with. But but street braking is, hey, we're easing into the braking now, a little more braking, now a little more. Hey, look, now I'm doing a lot of braking. Track braking is the opposite. Track braking is give me all the braking all prior the to braking ABS power. and now ease it out. Right. And you do it really late. <laughs> if you brake properly on a track and you have a passenger who hasn't been on a track before, they will have their hand embedded in the armrest. Discarding upholstery Seriously. Chunks. Seriously. So when you're braking like that, you need all the braking power you can get. So coming off the brake is not an option. You're on the brake. Agreed. You will not be off the brake until you're ready to stop slowing down. So that's where heel towing is vital. You've got your... 
most of your foot on the brake, applying brake pressure. And this takes practice and skill, and it is easy to get wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you got all that power on the brake, but you still got to get that throttle up there somewhere. You can't come off the brake. You don't have enough time. You're still on the brake. You blip the throttle with the other part of your foot so you can do all of the above. For those of you which I'm speaking Swahili, I apologize, but thanks for being with us anyway. I've got some super quick ones here on Facebook. Devin Bain is asking, what enthusiast cars have hit the bottom of their depreciation curve hmm. And we think are about to go up, you know, specifically true driver's cars that nobody thinks about now, but will in the next five, 10 years. I'm going with the early first-gen Acura NSX. I think those have already started to rise, to be Probably, honest. Probably, yeah. And the Porsche 996 Carrera 4S. Hmm. Going with that. Okay. Okay. Like, well, like I mean, you're, you're listening to this on Friday. Yesterday, we dropped a piece on the BMW Z4M Coupe. Yeah. Lots and I'm surprised. In fact, it's even titled Forgotten Gem. I'm surprised that car is as cheap as it is. I could have gotten one of those for ten grand less than I got the Lotus for. It's so crazy to think about. I could have gotten You're happier it. with the Lotus because it's your thing. I am for sure. But here's the thing to think about. Also, Z4M Coupe price of a used FRS BRZ. Yeah, seriously, Jobs more power. Seriously. So, I mean, when you yeah. compare the fact that that car, and again, you just watched the video, that car's got that silky E46 straight six in it. Silky. Hi, it it, I it like feels that. that way. Hydraulic steering. I, this yeah. is, All this the parts is, are the right parts. Absolutely. And yet that car is 20 grand. Yeah. Amazing. Good one. I like that. I've uh, got Alvaro on Facebook asking if I have an experience with fossil watches. <laughs> Not really. I will say they don't really strike me from a design standpoint. I know they're a great price point, but I personally would kind of keep looking. Like I said, they they kind of hit you know a while back. They were the big thing, and then onwards. I'm I'm into others currently. Um, lots of watches I've been looking lately. It's very bad. Well, we've told the joke on you before. We were sitting at dinner with Edgar, and he asked <laughs> he asked about watch recommendations, and he gave you a price point. You promptly showed him watches whose bottom watch was twice his price point, and Chance and I <laughs> laughed into our food for the remainder of dinner. Well. I loved that, though. It's, it's, it's very you. I loved it. It was great. Uh, let's see here. There's <laughs> Kevin Cameron asked, how much time do we spend looking at cars in a typical week outside of researching for the podcast? <laughs> or the show. In general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, Kevin, it really depends on the rabbit trail that's on our brain. When yeah. I was shopping for a Lotus, frightening amounts of time were taking place. Yeah. And when you consider how few cars were actually – I kept looking at the same cars. <laughs> Hours are going by. I'm looking at the same cars. That's frightening. But what happens with me is it has to do with getting some sort of wild idea for what are those worth? And then an hour goes. Yeah, no kidding. That's how it happens. That's I, how it happens every time. I'm agreeing. I mean, it depends on the week. If I'm traveling, then not as much. But generally, you know, it's, you know, do some work and then, huh, I wonder what my favorite website is selling now. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just check have. for 10 minutes. One hour later. Yeah, it's ridiculous, it. isn't it? Isn't it ridiculous? It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. Also, I saw uh, Adam's question on Twitter. Uh, you may not like this question, but I think it's an interesting one. Okay. Is a Boxster Cayman driving experience really worth double the price of the Miata or 86? Oh, you're right. I don't like that question. Here's what I'm going to say, Adam. I'm going to, I'm going to talk new cars first. Is the driving experience only, I'm not talking about quality materials. I'm not talking about the door thunk. I'm not talking about any of those things. <laughs> the quality of the driving experience, your enjoyment on a back road or a track. 
New Miatas and BRZs FRS are roughly thirty grand. Caymans and Boxers are at least twice that. Are New they ones, twice yeah. as good to drive? Absolutely not. Paul is grinding his molars right now. Yes, I am. Then I will say this though: <laughs> if you are shopping at twenty-five grand and you're considering used Porsche Cayman, twenty-five grand or FRS. Is it worth the jump? I would say yes. The danger you're taking now is, of course, maintenance cost and consumable cost. But that driving experience, you're going to feel like you got a ton of car for your money because you bought a used Porsche versus a new FRS or, or Miata. Sure. I am, un, well, very shockingly going to agree with you. As Reluctantly fact, so, yes. Because I agree. As far as a double the pleasure of the driving experience, not. I can't say that. I cannot claim that. But when you factor everything else in that you left off, looks and sound and you know build quality and Prestige, all those other things. all of the above. I get it. That ratchets things up. A driving experience alone, it's better in my opinion, but not double the better. Double better? Mo' better? No, I mean, I think it is percentages better, but it's probably not more than 20, yeah, honestly. somewhere in there. Honestly. I will say it's better, but yeah. not by a, you know... Maybe 30 Not by a multiple. Not by a multiple yeah. by any means. Definitely not. But then from a used car standpoint, which is why we love used cars so much. For sure. For sure. It's, it's a great thing. All right. I'll end with Dale's question. Dale Chang, our instigator, lead Lemons co-driver. You will see him <laughs> whenever we release the Lemons piece on season Velocity two, Channel yeah. next yeah. season. Mm -hmm. He is asking, if you pointed a gun to my head and you had to live with one full year, <laughs> model year 2000 Toyota Corolla, a PT Cruiser, or a bicycle, <clears throat> bicycle, Dale, a bicycle. Yeah, I, I hear you. And I thought about the bicycle because if I did the bicycle, I'd be in fantastic shape for that year. Your legs but, would be ripped. But, I, but I'm going to say this. I'm going to go Corolla because I cannot, for the life of me, stomach the PT Cruiser. The Corolla is such a disposable car. I think I would, I would treat it like you treat a bad rental car. And I already so, treat them badly. I know. But so for that year, it would be the world's fastest hoonable Corolla. <laughs> It would be body panels flapping. You know, you see those cars, body panels flapping in the breeze. It would be that On Corolla. On a racetrack, It would be I that do. Corolla, okay, where it is just being hooned so much. I am trying to hurt this car for a year. I would pick the Corolla for that reason. I don't know if I could leave myself to do that. <laughs> wow. Told you we had words for you. Thank you so much for listening and for watching. Again, if you've got your own debate, EverydayDriverTV at Gmail or the website EverydayDriver.com. And for just general questions like this, just fun stuff on social media, you can find us on all the platforms there. Guys, thank you a million. We're looking forward to track days, a whole bunch more shooting for velocity, all kinds of stuff coming up. Yep. This is nuts. Thanks again. Cheers, guys. Let me tell you about Pete, who loved hockey and always wanted to play in the NHL. Pete played since he was three and begged his mom to let him stay on the ice. Why, some nights he even slept in his hockey skates. Pete practiced and practiced until one day. When he was 47, Pete realized he just wasn't that good. So he threw his skates in the trash. But then he heard how Geico, proud partner of the NHL, could save him money on car insurance. So he switched and saved a bunch. So it all worked out. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like 
kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks. Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.